Section five of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. Weathermaking, Ancient and Modern, by Mark W. Harrington, Part two. Three physical methods, weathermakers. What precedes relates to purely physic methods of controlling the weather or the elements the collection which it presents has been made up in no spirit of disrespect but solely in the collection and scientific comparison of facts i have great respect for all sincere religious belief and great interest in folklore remnants fragments of what have once been great physic structures ruins about the tombs of the ancients what follows is intensely fin de siècle and treats of the paradoxer in a well-developed stage the paradoxer deserves a respect to be measured by the sufficiency of his information and the correctness of his logic he is a possible benefactor of the world a potential great man galileo was a paradoxer very unwelcome to the aristotelians of his time kepler was a rank paradoxer to his contemporaries and newton was a paradoxer to the cartesians of his day time will not be spent on rash paradoxers in the field of weather-making we shall only consider those who have some such guarantee as a patent an appropriation or a genuine learning as an illustration of the rash paradoxers i will simply mention two one the man who proposed to destroy blizzards by a line of coal stoves along our northern boundary from the red river to the continental divide and the other a man who proposed to ameliorate the weather of new england and the canadian provinces by damming the strait of belle isle weather-making we pass first to the treatment for tornadoes w ware has made laboratory tornadoes of a mild and gentle character but they contain no suggestion as to how to treat this pathologic phenomenon of the weather a treatment has been suggested which is heroic and may possibly be effective it is however a local application and the chief difficulty is to have it ready when and where wanted the method proposed is that of a great explosion in the tornado itself many plans have been suggested and two patents have been granted i will consider the first that of mr j b atwater of chicago number three seven zero eight four five a strong box with a double bottom is firmly supported on a pole erected at a suitable point probably a mile or so southwest of the village to be protected the upper bottom is fixed and the space above it is filled with an explosive and firmly closed in holes in the upper bottom are inserted fulminating caps and these project below its lower surface the lower bottom slides up and down then if a high wind drives the lower bottom against the upper with such force as to flash the caps the explosion follows and the tornado if present suffers the effects which a tornado will suffer when a powerful explosion occurs in its immediate vicinity what those effects will be we do not yet know it is said with enough repetition to make it fairly worthy of credence that a cannon fired into a waterspout destroys the latter if such a disturbance destroys the gentler waterspout it may be worth while to try a larger one on the more intense tornado perhaps it will be effective we can be more positive when it has been tried many other schemes have been proposed for the control of the elements of the weather most of them have an objectionable side notably in rain-making which can be pointed out here as well as elsewhere it is this the phenomenon to be produced cannot possibly be controlled as to area covered 
and may occur where it is not wanted if we are clothing merchants and i carry over too large a stock of winter clothing into late spring i may order a cold wave to help me reduce my stock but you may have exhausted your winter stock and wish to have warm weather to start your summer stock my cold wave affects your trade seriously i may be sued for damages such a state of things is said to have actually happened in kansas where a rainmaker was refused payment by his employer because of failure of contract and was sued by a neighbor of the employer because his crops were washed out of the ground should the weathermaker prosper he will often find himself very much embarrassed until our lawmakers have caught up with our advance in the arts and the volume of the statute books has been materially enlarged rainmaking we come now to the subject of rainmaking which has attracted more attention been more tried and has more history than any other one method of weathermaking it has attained the dignity of at least two patents and two congressional appropriations a bibliography of the subject is appended containing sixty-four titles two of which refer to books devoted to this subject respectively by power and grathman first method to clear the way for the american history we may note here as method number one a french method reported in the compte rendu for october twenty third eighteen ninety three Monsieur Baudouin sent a note to the French Academy of Sciences in which he wrote that in Algeria, earlier in that year, he had used a kite to obtain electric connection with a cloud at the height of about 4,000 feet. As soon as this connection was made, a few drops of rain fell and a local fog formed. These disappeared on breaking the connection, presumably by withdrawing the kite from the cloud. Monsieur Baudouin had obtained some rain in Algeria in 1876 by the same method. I know of no other experiments in this direction, nor do they involve anything in opposition to knowledge already acquired. It is a fair field for experiment, and it is remarkable that M. Baudouin's experiments have not attracted more attention in the United States. Second Method A second proposed method of obtaining rain is by means of great fires. With this proposal, the name of a Pennsylvania meteorologist, James P. Espy, is inseparably connected. In 1841 he published a Philosophy of Storms, in which he enlarged on this idea, previously propounded by him in occasional articles dating from 1838. The idea was not new, for Dobertshofer, a Jesuit missionary in South America, in his account of the Abapones, first published in 1784, says that these Indians produced rain by setting fire to the plains. Indeed, the idea has been and is generally entertained and in the west has crystallized into the weather proverb a very large prairie fire will cause rain to show something of the character of testimony on which espy relied we shall quote the story of george mackay as given in a letter to espy and printed by him in his fourth meteorological report mr mackay says in eighteen forty five i was engaged in the public survey of the atlantic coast of florida sometime in april the time of the dry season there, which lasts up to June, I was running a township line between latitudes 26 degrees and 27 degrees, about five miles from the sea. The weather was oppressively warm that day. There was not air enough stirring to move an aspen leaf. We found our line must pass through a saw-grass pond containing about 500 acres. In ponds of this description, the green grass at the top shoots up from five to six feet in height, 
and when the region has not been for some years swept clear by fires the dead and dry growths of preceding seasons accumulate under the latest growth and are often found there from two to four feet in depth they are exceedingly inflammable when lighted in dry weather they burn with frightful rapidity and violence whenever in our explorations we came upon a place of this description we could only pass our line by cutting away the lofty fresh grass and wading or rather wallowing through the mud and the under rubbish on the day in question we determined as it was so hot that to save ourselves trouble we would burn our way through i had then no thought of your theory in order to prevent the flames from running over the woods through which we were obliged to pass we communicated them at once to both sides of the spot we desired to open that they might converge and combine in its centre and not scatter laterally in a very few minutes an awful blaze swept over the entire surface which we had marked out for our purpose we then crossed our line ere we had proceeded over forty chains a delightful breeze sprang up and cooled the atmosphere and presently a refreshing shower sparked in the bright rays of the sun all this excited no further observation than that it had not rained there before for a long time i myself did not observe any smoke nor the formation of any cloud our work went on for some days without a repetition of our short cut at pioneering some objection having been made when another burning was proposed because the first one had rendered it difficult after crossing the lines to distinguish the white men from the negroes at length however the pleasant breezes ceased which had made the weather for a while endurable and the still air and intense heat returned and with them constant murmurs from the men especially the negroes whose duty it was to cut lines and mark trees we were now on the confines of a sawgrass pond and a much more formidable one than any we had yet encountered being surrounded by a cypress swamp we concluded that it had never yet been burned my assistant captain alexander mackay who was standing by my side mentioned his having in our late conflagration observed the formation of a cloud at the apex of the smoke he added that it had frequently since brought to his mind some account which he had read of professor espy's theory he suggested that there could not be a better opportunity than this to put the theory to the test and being fond of a joke he said he would like to astonish the superstitious negroes and to make them believe that he could call together the clouds and bring down rain so we determined to make the experiment when our party were all gathered at the halting place complaints of the extreme heat went round and all unanimously agreed that a more confined and oppressive day had never been known to them to these complaints the usual wishes for a little breath of air and a few drops of rain succeeded cut through this pond exclaimed the captain and i will bring you more than a few drops of rain i'll give you a plentiful shower and a breeze too that shall wake you up come boys cut away and when you've done you shall wash off the dust in a cold bath from the skies they stared up and around not a cloud as large as a man's hand was to be seen and they looked back at the captain with a good-natured grin of incredulity ho ho ha ha captain make cloud out of nothin he he captain bring water all dis way from de sea ho ho ha ha he he whereupon the captain affected to be very indignant to hasten his victory i ordered the grass to be set on fire the flames soared forthwith above the tallest tree a dense volume of smoke mounted upward spirally the grass soon disappeared we crossed over as the smoky column broke and the cloud began to form 
the captain traced a large circle in the sand around him and placed himself in its centre making fantastic figures and forming cabalistic phrases out of broken french still was the cloud unnoticed all eyes were riveted upon the captain who stood gazing at the earth and shaping outlines of devils there at this juncture came a roll of distant thunder every glance instantly turned upward a cloud was spreading there the thunders increased the lightnings flashed more vividly the knees of the negroes shook together with alarm already was the rain descending and in torrents though the clear sky could be seen in all directions under the cloud the captain meanwhile maintained his mystical attitude and continued his wild and extraordinary evolutions some of the whites who were in the secret of the hoax fell upon their knees and were imitated by the negroes whose fears augmenting as the storm grew fiercer with clasped hands fastened upon the captain a stare of awe and deprecation in short the scene presented a more complete triumph of philosophy over ignorance than i could have supposed it possible to have been produced anywhere in the nineteenth century and most especially anywhere in our enlightened republic we often fired the sawgrass marshes afterward and whenever there was no wind stirring we were sure to get a shower and i say with perfect confidence that we never had a shower in april or may at any other time sometimes when there was a breeze it would carry the smoke towards the horizon where there would seem to be a fall of rain espy dwelt on this theory with great devotion and in eighteen forty five published a special letter addressed to the friends of science in which he proposed a plan for practical rain production as the paper in question is now very rare and his plan poses some features of interest i quote it here let masses of timber to the amount of forty acres for every twenty miles be prepared and fired simultaneously every seven days in the summer on the west of the united states in a line of six or seven hundred miles long from north to south and then following results seem highly probable but not certain until the experiment is made a rain of great length north and south will commence near or on the line of fires this rain will travel eastward it will not break up till it reaches far into the atlantic ocean it will rain over the whole country east of the place of beginning it will rain only a short time in any one place it will not rain again until the next seventh day it will rain enough and not too much in any one place it will not be attended with violent wind neither on land nor on the atlantic ocean there will be no hail nor tornadoes at the time of the general rain nor intermediate there will be no destructive floods nor will the waters ever become very low there will be no more oppressive heats nor injurious colds the farmers and mariners will always know before the rains when they will commence and when they will terminate all epidemic diseases originating from floods and subsequent droughts will cease the proceeds of agriculture will be greatly increased and the health and happiness of the citizens will be much promoted these i say are the probable not certain results of the plan proposed a plan which could be carried into operation for some which would not amount to half a cent a year to each individual in the united states a plan which if successful would benefit in a high degree not merely the landsman but every mariner that plies the atlantic if this scheme should appear too gigantic to commence with let the trial first be made along the allegheny mountains and let forty acres of four ten-acre lots be fired every seven days through the summer in each of the counties of mckean clearfield cambria and somerset in pennsylvania allegheny in maryland and hardy pendleton bath allegheny and montgomery in virginia 
the ten-acre lots should be as nearly as convenient from one to four miles apart in the form of a square so that the upmoving column of air which shall be formed over them may have a wide base and thus may ascend to a considerable height before it may be leaned out of the perpendicular by any wind which may exist at the time Espy's theory was practically the modern convective theory of storms and to this most worthy student of science is due the credit of calling effective attention to the part which the condensation of aqueous vapor plays in the mechanism of storms third method another proposed method of making rain artificially is that of l gathman of chicago patented in eighteen ninety one number four six two seven nine five his method is to suddenly chill the atmosphere by rapid evaporation and it is also advisable to produce a heavy concussion in connection with the cooling in order to set the different air currents in motion it is obvious that sudden and rapid evaporation in the upper regions of the atmosphere could be accomplished in various ways by the evaporation of highly compressed gases but the evaporation consequent upon the release of liquefied carbonic acid gas is thought to be the most efficient he proceeds in accordance therefore with my invention liquefied carbonic acid gas is liberated in the upper regions of the atmosphere and will of course instantly evaporate and spread out in a sheet of vapor of an extremely low temperature and produce a cloud the surrounding atmosphere will be chilled by its proximity to the cold vapor and the moisture in the atmosphere will be condensed thereby the condensation takes place in large quantities and with great rapidity so that a cloud is formed that will precipitate a rainfall upon the earth the liquefied carbonic acid gas can be confined in a suitable shell or casing said casing also to contain an explosive gunpowder dynamite etc which is thrown or shot into the upper regions of the atmosphere and there exploded by time fuse a balloon moreover could be employed to elevate the shell or casing containing the liquefied carbonic acid gas and the explosion to liberate the gas could be made by electric current controlled by persons upon the earth mr gathman also published a little book in which were reproduced with approval professor newcomb's article entitled can we make it rain and professor houston's artificial rainmaking in this book we learn that mr gathman has been occupied with the use of condensed carbon anhydride to cool heavy guns and was led to his theory by the results of his experiments with ordnance he also experimented on his method of rainmaking and says in making some experiments last year a shell filled with liquefied carbonic acid gas was exploded at a height of six hundred feet a cloud was produced in the clear sky at once and floating along on the current of air was visible for miles this experiment was made in july eighteen ninety and since that time i have made sufficient other experiments to satisfy myself that i can produce rain whenever necessary or at will experiments made in my astronomical observatory at a height of only seventy-five feet have proven that by the evaporation of liquefied carbonic acid gas a rain shower on a small scale can be produced with but a small quantity of the gas when completed arrangements have been made the experiments mentioned will be seen to be but a step to the practical illustration on a grand scale it appears that in gathman's method the explosion plays a very subordinate part but in the method to follow the explosion is the main if not the only thing fourth method the concussion theory is probably an old one though it is not correct to refer to plutarch as is sometimes done 
in his life of marius referring to the battle with the teutons near Aix in july 102 bc plutarch says extraordinary rains pretty generally fall after great battles whether it be that some divine power thus washes and cleanses the polluted earth with showers from above or that moist and heavy evaporations steaming forth from the blood and corruption thicken the air which naturally is subject to alteration from the smallest causes here are two distinct suggestions for rain-making but not that of concussion the first elaborate treatment of the concussion theory appears to have been by edward powers civil engineer who published in eighteen ninety a book on the relations of battles to rainfall the first edition was printed in chicago in eighteen seventy one but most of the edition was destroyed by the great fire in that city which also destroyed the stereotype plates the latest issue seen by me contains an inset of fifteen pages devoted to a criticism of professor newcomb's article already mentioned the aim of this book is to prove that great battles or heavy cannonading are usually soon followed by rainfall a fair criticism of the book is that such phenomena are not invariably followed by rain the coincidences could be explained by the fact that in the season of military operations rain is usually falling somewhere in eastern united states that in fact it is not clear but that the rain is a pure coincidence the argument is not conclusive indeed it is only fair to say that under the conditions involved it could not be made conclusive mr powers however did not despond but used his utmost endeavors to bring the matter to a test for this purpose he persuaded senator farwell in eighteen seventy four to present a petition to congress asking that the theory be tried this with the previous petition to which he refers seems to have been without response on the part of congress later and apparently independently the matter was taken up by general daniel ruggles of fredericksburg virginia who obtained a patent in eighteen eighty number two three zero zero six seven on making rain by explosions in the cloud his claim runs the nature of my invention consists in sending one or more balloons into the cloud realms said balloon or balloons carrying torpedoes and cartridges charged with explosives and there to explode or detonate them by magnetoelectric or electric force through metallic wire textile cordage or by the fuse or by mechanical force in order to precipitate rainfall by concussion or vibration of the atmosphere general ruggles succeeded in bringing the matter before congress but did not succeed in getting an appropriation his plan was much discussed in the newspapers at the time but does not seem to have reached the experimental stage senator farwell however continued his interest in the matter and in eighteen ninety finally succeeded in obtaining an appropriation first of two thousand dollars then of seven thousand dollars for carrying on the experiments some of which he had already had made at his own expense the appropriation assigned the conduct of the experiments to the department of agriculture and the secretary selected r g Darenforth for the work the experiments were carried on in the vicinity of washington and in texas a report from mr Darenforth was published by congress in eighteen ninety two at the next session of congress another appropriation of ten thousand dollars was made for this purpose of which the sum of four thousand nine hundred thirteen dollars and fifty nine cents was expended as before under Darenforth's direction the remainder having been covered back into the treasury mr Darenforth's methods were highly ingenious he used a variety of explosives on the ground and in the air by great single explosions and by volleys he introduced many novelties among them that of exploding the gas in the balloon itself when high in the air 
his conclusions as stated by himself in his first report were first when a moist cloud is present which if undisturbed would pass away without precipitating its moisture the jarring of the cloud by concussions will cause the particles of moisture in suspension to agglomerate and fall in greater or less quantity according to the degree of moistness of the air in and beneath the cloud second that by taking advantage of these periods which frequently occur in droughts and in most if not all sections of the united states where precipitation is insufficient for vegetation and during which atmospheric conditions favor rainfall without there being actual rain precipitation may be caused by concussion third that under the most unfavorable conditions for precipitation conditions which never need be taken in operations to produce rain storm conditions may be generated and rain be induced there being however a wasteful expenditure of both time and material in overcoming unfavorable conditions his second report has not been published but i infer that his second series of observations were believed by him to confirm the results of the first mr dryenforth generally omitted one check which he might well have employed and which i personally urged him to employ experiments of this sort made in the free air with the accompanying conditions not under control should be accompanied with every possible check and one self-evident and very necessary one is the observation of a physicist familiar with the meteorological side of physics such an expert mr g e curtis accompanied the party in its first experiments his report except the bare meteorological record made during the experiments does not accompany drayham forest's document it was presented however to the philosophical society of washington and was printed elsewhere mr curtis says substantially that an explosion in a cloud brings down a few scattering drops of rain and this may happen even with an explosion on the ground if heavy otherwise he says there was no rain-making it is but fair to say with mr dryenforth's report are given the reports of his assistants mr john t ellis lieutenant s a dyer mr eugene fairchild and they were stronger in the expression of a belief that rain was successfully made than is mr dreyenforth and there also are many favorable quotations from spectators professor a mcfarlane of the university of texas was present as an uninvited guest during the elaborate experiments near san antonio on friday november twenty fifth eighteen ninety two beginning at four p m the sky was from time to time overcast and the natural conditions were not unfavorable for rain many explosions were made without rain until late in the evening from which point i will take up the story in professor mcfarland's own words as given in a letter to the new york world december fourth eighteen ninety two at ten fifteen a balloon was sent up and was lost in the darkness when it exploded a very large area of light was seen as if the explosion had occurred inside a cloud there was no fall of rain at the camp and nobody was stationed below the spot where the balloon exploded i considered this the only experiment that was worth making yet no care was taken to observe where the rain did fall it is conceivable that the explosion of a twelve-foot balloon inside a cloud ready to precipitate may jar the particles so as to quicken the dropping of the rain this was the idea of ruggles but to test whether some rain can be drawn down in this manner from a rain-cloud does not suit the idea of cranks who wish to get a large something out of an absolute nothing at ten forty five a mist became just perceptible the general issued an order to get ready the rain-gauge the boys hurried up a balloon which was nearly ready but it had no effect on the mist at eleven forty the mist ceased and the stars appeared in places nearly overhead 
the general apparently felt that things were going against him for he suggested to the doctor to put a small piece of dynamite in the shells and also to try the effect of an explosion down at the springs at twelve thirty a twelve-foot balloon went well into the cloud but no rain effect at one o'clock the time when operations were to be suspended for the night it was fair with some stars visible and the boys were preparing one more balloon colonel king remarked that it would be necessary to keep up the operations for forty-eight hours i retired to a room in the hotel from which i could see the operations at one thirty i heard a slight shout from the balloon boys and i could hear the rain pattering on the roof the general who had also retired to the hotel threw open the window and called out hurry up boys after ten minutes the balloon was exploded and the rain almost immediately diminished so as to be scarcely perceptible when the explosion occurred i had my head out of the window the hotel a frame house shook considerably but there was no breaking of glass or any of the effects produced by a powerful explosion on the solid earth at one fifty the general went out to observe and i heard him say there is a beautiful rain to the north of us and to the west of us at two the rain had entirely ceased and the last of the operations consisted of two shells fired in succession at two o five professor macfarlane is a competent physicist he was trained at edinburgh and has i believe no such apprehension of humour as to make him unconsciously colour his report his conclusions were adverse to the rainmakers referring in general to the experiments in texas one fact has been generally overlooked the rainfall in western texas is always small but it is subject to its maxima and minima like other regions now there is a rainfall season in july and august in arizona and new mexico and this reaches western texas thirty per cent of the annual rainfall descends in these two months along the eastern border of new mexico and in the western angle of texas at el paso this percentage is forty this maximum passes gradually eastward and is found in the southeastern part in september the experiments in the western part of texas in eighteen ninety one were in september fairly in the time of this maximum there is another maximum of rainfall in texas in november this is in the northeastern part of the state the second series of rainfall experiments in texas was in november eighteen ninety two at san antonio the maximum here occurs in september but there is in november an average for twenty-four years of two point five inches or one-twelfth of the annual thirty point six inches there is a high relative probability of rain naturally in september in the region of the experiments in eighteen ninety one and there is an even chance of it in the region of eighteen ninety two to test the theory of rain-making in texas the months might have been better chosen yet it is but fair to say that the rainfall in western texas is very fluctuating as it comes generally in local storms fifth method there is another method of rain-making which is still a mystery but which deserves mention because it has been submitted to actual test i have not been given permission to use names in this case and will only guarantee that the letter which i quote came from a high official of a railway company and is worthy of the credence which an official business letter of this sort should carry with it this gentleman under date of august twenty second eighteen ninety three wrote to me as follows dear sir your letter august tenth blank has been referred to me in reply thereto we have no published reports concerning rain-making experiments such as mentioned by you while these experiments have been made by a couple of employees of this company we can say but little about them ourselves these parties claim to be able to cause rainfall by artificial means and we have furnished them with materials 
together with transportation facilities more or less all the time since the early part of may they having experimented in some eighteen or twenty different locations and in each case we have had more or less rainfall in nearly every instance we can but feel that there is something in their claim we have had from one-half to three or three and a half inches falls of rain covering a section of country from twenty-five to ninety miles in length and ten to thirty miles wide all owing to the direction of the wind and in some cases at times when there was no moisture in sight or known until they began operations and then only throughout the section over which their own rainfall extended i presume the operators themselves have kept a record of their work and results of the same at each of the different points where they have been located and should you desire i will have them make a statement showing what they themselves feel they have accomplished we have been slow to believe there was anything in the business but at the same time must admit that they are either very fortunate in reaching the different points where they have experimented just in time to have rainstorms or they have certainly hit upon the right thing in the way of rainmaking. the process i do not know but a humorous railway man personally cognizant of the matter told me that the operators kept themselves carefully secluded in a freight car with a hole in the roof and when occasional glimpses were caught of them they seemed to be cooking over a red-hot coal stove probably the method employed was that of frank melbourne the australian who has most reputation in the west and who has carefully kept his secret it is proposed by the company in question to continue the experiments in another field and with competent experts accompanying and another railway company is seriously considering the propriety of entering the field conclusions finally permit me to complete this sketch by some remarks and to make them as specific as they can be made permit me to put them in the form of questions and answers the answers are my own question will a noise make rain answer no there is no reason in theory or practice to make us think it will question will a concussion make rain answer it will probably jostle the droplets in a cloud and may bring a few together which may coalesce and become large enough to cause them to fall to the ground a few scattering drops only question will smoke or dust released in great quantities produce rain answer floating particles of spongy texture will absorb the moisture hygroscopically if the air is dry this will make it drier and prevent rain if the air is very moist and near saturation any solid particles in the air will facilitate the condensation witness the experiments of atkins and barnes thus when other conditions are very favorable an addition of much dust or smoke to the air might determine a fall of rain question will the expansion of carbon and hydride produce rain answer mr gathman says he has tried it with success experiments should be made systematically question will electric connection with a cloud aid in rain formation answer monsieur baudouin says it does question will a conflagration produce rain answer quite probably under favorable circumstances it acts in the line in which nature acts according to the best of our knowledge condensation is the result of chilling the air the theory of chilling by mixture the huttonian theory a century old is now known to be inefficient the chilling in nature seems to be due either to the ascent of air and its consequent expansion and loss of heat or to the chilling of one cloud by having the shadow of a higher cloud fall on it in sunlight the chilling by ascent is the method evoked in the epsi plan and appears to be by all odds the most effective rain producer in nature question 
If rain can be made, how much will it cost? Answer. This is truly an American question, and quite appropriate to the fin de soukil. Mr. Powers, who, by the way, says that Mr. Dryenforth did not, after all, really try his experiment, puts the cost of one experiment with government aid at $80,000. Gathman says he can sprinkle the earth at a cost of from $30 to $90 a square mile. Epsi proposed to fire the low forest growths at regular intervals at a cost less than five mills per citizen per year. The method of concussion costs the comfort and peace of all within hearing, a cost which a much more certain result would not justify. End of section 5